All right, well, we are in week two of our series called Family Matters, and we're reminding one another that their family matters enough for us to deal with the hard things related to family, because over the next several weeks, we're going to find ourselves uh, perhaps around a table or in a living room or maybe a backyard gathered with other family members. And here's the thing about family is that the great majority of people we call family are people that we didn't have anything to do in choosing to be family with, right? Like we inherit that, we're born into it. And we all know that sometimes family is hard because families are often broken. And so we need to be reminded that family matters enough to forgive. Now we all have people in our family who challenge us, who we struggle with, maybe they frustrate us. We've got that person in our family that, that we wonder like, how am I gonna get through this Thanksgiving? How am I gonna get through this Christmas in engaging with this family person? Because they just really challenge me. All right, I thought about some of the people that, that maybe we have in your family. Who's in your family? Uh, maybe you've got the political one. All right, this is the person that makes everything political. You're like, I just want to talk about the football game. And like, you got to talk about like the president or the senator or the governor. And like, it's like this way or that way. And like, it's amazing to me that you're never wrong. Like you're always right when it comes to politics. And it just like really drives us insane. Or maybe it's not the political one. Maybe you've got the emotional one. And by the emotional one, like, I don't mean the person like, that cries or emotional, like, that's me. I'm the, I'm the emotional one in that way. But I'm talking about the person who's always the victim. All right, that's never their fault. They've always been done wrong. And it's just like everything turns into this like big emotional thing and you've got to comfort them or like you've got, you're apologizing for something you didn't even know that you did or maybe you didn't do. And we've got that person and you're just like, I don't know if I can do that this year. Maybe it's not the emotional one. Maybe it's the argumentative one. And like everything turns into an argument and like it's intense and it's divisive and they're pushing and they're challenging because like everything has to be combative. You know, I just don't have the energy for that, right? Or, or maybe you've got the manipulative one and they're the person like, Every year, every time you gather, you've got to change all of your plans and you've got to change your schedule and you've got to bend over backwards to make sure that everything fits perfectly for them or they're going to be in a bad mood or they're not going to show up and, and they're twisting things to make things work for them because it's all about them, right? And, and we've just got to cater to what they want. And you're like, just, you know, do I have to do this? Or maybe you just have the mean one, right? Like, they're just cruel, they're rude, like you don't cook right, you don't plan right, the decorations aren't right, and like you're thinking twice about what you wear, like does this make me look too big, does this make me look too skinny, because they're going to definitely tell me like what their opinion is about this, and they're just mean. And you're like, I don't know how I can deal with these people this year. Now, if you don't have this person in your family, you can do one of two things. Maybe you can just get on your knees and lift your hands and say, thank you, God, that I don't have this person in my family, at least not right now, and then gird up your loins for the future because it's gonna happen at some point. Or maybe you need to look in the mirror 
because you might be one of these people. <laughs> family's hard, right? Because families are broken. And sometimes we don't know how to move forward in the midst of the brokenness. I'm a child of the 80s. And I grew up watching the, the 80s and early 90s family sitcoms. And like you just kind of have this fantasy about what family should and could look like. And I figured out the formula for these families. That every family began with a hope and then they had a hurt and then they had a healing. And it all happened in 30 minutes, including commercials. And we, like, we just feel like it's supposed to wrap up easy like that. But sometimes we all know that life is not like that. Life is messy. Life is hard. And we need to know what to do when it doesn't get resolved quickly. What do we do if it doesn't get resolved ever? How do we engage with family in those moments? And here's the key is that I've got to be willing to forgive. Now, we're all here this morning because we either follow Jesus or we're at least curious about Jesus or we're, we're trying to figure out who Jesus is, which means that there's at least a possibility that we can be different from the rest of the world. And there's one truth that's the foundation of forgiveness based on Jesus that is empowering everything we're gonna talk about. And so if you don't get anything else, please understand this truth is that regardless of how they act, I can act like Jesus. It doesn't matter what they do or what they say or how they act or what their attitude is or what their opinion is. I don't have to be captive to what they do. I can live as Jesus who was loving. The dude loved his enemies. What in the world? Uh, the guy came to the people who he knew wanted to kill him. And while they were doing it, he was hanging up the, on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of heart and attitude that Jesus had that he calls us to, which means something for us. Number one is I got to figure out who's in control. Who's in control of me? Is it my flesh? Is it like what I want right now? Meaning my pride or my greed or my selfishness? Is that's what is in control? Is it the other people? If I allowed other people to be in control of my attitude or my feelings or my thoughts or my choices, or is it the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life that I look more and more and more like Jesus every day? And you know what that means for us? If we're going to look like more like Jesus is we have to choose to forgive. As a matter of fact, if you look through Scripture, it's not a suggestion. It's a command that we are to forgive. How? As we have been forgiven. Now, Paul in one of his letters to the early church, the church of Colossae, he talks about this dynamic of forgiveness. And so we're going to look at one. There's a lot of places in Scripture we could turn, but we're going to look at one in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And this is what Paul wrote. He said, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and, and do what? Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Here it is again. What are we to do? Forgive. How? As the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now Paul starts off and he says, 
you have been invited, you've been chosen, you've been called by God to join with him, to receive by grace what Jesus has done in dealing with sin and dealing with death and offering forgiveness and offering freedom and offering eternal life. You've been invited into that. So if you receive it, you need to put some things on. You need to get dressed with some certain characteristics that look like Jesus. Literally what he says, where it says, clothe yourselves in verse 12, he literally says, clothe your heart. Which means what Paul is saying is this is not an act. It's not a performance. You can't fake it till you make it. Something has to happen inside of you in your heart. We have all experienced the point where you get shaken enough or you get pushed enough or you get squeezed enough where what's on the inside comes out on the outside and sometimes we don't like what's on the inside. And so Paul says you gotta start by clothing your heart. What do you clothe it with? Well, you clothe it with compassion. A great translation for that word is the word mercy, meaning I don't give to you what I think you deserve. Instead, I'm gonna give you mercy. I'm not gonna hold against you what you've done to me. Instead, I'm gonna give you mercy. I'm gonna have compassion for you. He says, clothe your heart with kindness. You know, a good translation of this word is a useful pleasantness. I love that definition. A useful pleasantness, meaning like it's not just polite. It's not just, hey, I'm not going to start an argument this year or I'm going to smile at you this year or, I, you know, what can I do that's useful goodness to you that will be a blessing? Paul says, clothe your heart with that. How about humility? This means being humble-minded, meaning contrary to popular belief, the world is not all about me and it's not all about you. That person that frustrates you, that you struggle with, maybe with good reason, they also have their own pain and their own hurt and their own struggles and their own past. And, and we can humble ourselves to say, maybe that I can be a blessing to this person. What about gentleness? It, this would be so huge for our families. Right, you might have every right to be harsh, but what if instead you chose to be tender? I'm not gonna poke that wound. I'm not gonna bring up that subject. I'm not going to use that tone. And then he says, and patience. Guys, this was critical, absolutely critical for the early church. This word patience, it means to, to be willing to step into long suffering. How long are you willing to step into suffering? Are you willing to be wronged? Are you willing to be put out of your your comfort, are you willing to be challenged? Not for the sake of that person, not even to take the higher road, but for the sake of Jesus. That Jesus could step into the space because you act like Christ, you choose to, to, to surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm gonna be willing to, to suffer for a long term. And we're not talking about allowing yourself to be abused or, or used or be a, a doormat. We put boundaries in place and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but dive into that deeply in a couple of weeks. But just not to seek retribution, to say, you know what, I can step into this because I'm okay. And Paul says we need to clothe our hearts with this. And he says bear with each other. This word bear, it means to take on the weight of something. And so rather than coming out swinging, we come out with open hands and saying, I'm willing to bear the weight of the stuff and the junk and the mess. 
and I'm going to step into this space and I'm going to put on love that God might be able to move in this relationship. So how do we do this? How do we take on the weight in a way that, that is honoring to God, but it's also not putting us in a position that we can't carry that? Like, how do we step into that? Well, the answer is that we're willing to forgive, to say, listen, I'm not going to take on the, the brokenness and the pain and, and the, the hurt of what you've given me into the future. I'm going to lay it down. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to let go of it so I can move into the future and not be captive to the past. This is really difficult to do. It's a lot easier to talk about. A lot easier to talk about than to do it. So how do we do it? Well, here's where we start, I think, is that we... Make room for imperfection. To bear with one another means that we step into a space where there's brokenness. We step into a place where we understand there's going to be imperfection. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be ways that we mess it up. And we make space for that. That we can live in it, understanding that God's grace is abundant and it overcomes and what did Paul say? When you put on love, it, it deals with all that and it binds it together in unity in the midst of the junk. But that's really easy to talk about. How do you make room for imperfection? Well, one of the things that we understand is that my actions do not depend on their actions. You don't have to be a victim to what the other people do or what the other people say or the other people's tone or their attitude. You are not captive to them. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have freedom that you can choose Jesus every time. And I don't have to be captive. You know those list of things that what we put on our heart? None of those are dependent on the people around us. None of them are triggered by the people around us. Those are things that we choose to live out because of Christ in us. And so we understand that. A second part of this is to understand that expecting perfection guarantees disappointment. Every single time, by the way. Like if you want to disappoint yourself, just expect perfection. But here's what we do, right? And I'm not going to ask you to show, you know, raise your hands, but I think this is human nature. What we tend to do is we evaluate ourselves based on our intentions and we evaluate others based on their actions. We never stop to think about what's driving it, what's underneath the surface, what are they struggling with, what are they trying to do, what do they intend to do. We just see, you messed it up, you must be bad, but I'm trying to do good. I know I messed it up, but I'm trying to do good, so I must be good. And that's the way we see each other. Instead of saying, no, like every person matters to God enough to send Jesus to die for them. So am I seeing people the way that God sees people or am I only seeing them based on what they do for me? or what they do against me. And so I've got to be willing to understand, like I, I can't expect perfection out of people who are broken, who are born into sin. Yes, we're being redeemed and we're being sanctified and there's never an excuse to keep sinning. We grow in holiness, but we're also broken. And then I think it also means that we got to decide ahead of time. This is the, one of the most critical things for me in my life to discover how, how to live in freedom with forgiveness is that I have to decide ahead of time. Because listen, maybe a lot, all you saints have got it figured out. But for me, 
If I wait until the moment where I need to forgive and I'm feeling all the feelings, you know what's not going to happen? I'm not going to forgive you because I'm feeling all the stuff. And so I figured out a long time ago that in my relationships with other people and with my family, I have to go ahead and make the commitment before I need to do it that I'm going to forgive. I need to go ahead and make the commitment to understand that things are going to happen and I shouldn't be surprised because I'm not expecting perfection. And when it happens, I'm going to forgive with God's help, right? But I'm going to lay it down. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to step into that forgiveness because I'm prepared. And as we do that, that, that points to a, a, another big truth for us. So number one, we're going to make room for imperfection. But as we do that, we need to understand our call is to forgive unconditionally. There's no condition on my willingness to say, I'm not going to hold it against you and I'm not carrying it forward. Because what happens with forgiveness is I'm making a commitment to live like Christ because Christ lives in me and I'm going to move into the future with freedom, not holding on to the baggage that you wanted to hand off to me, but I'm leaving it in the past. Now, I don't want us to miss this, and we're going to come back to it in a couple of weeks. But there are places in life where conditions apply. One of the places where condition applies is in reconciliation. You cannot reconcile with a person who does not want to be reconciled. You cannot step back into a relationship with a person who wants to continue to abuse you, who wants to continue to manipulate you or hurt you. That's conditional. If we're unhealthy and we do it in a very toxic, unhealthy way, then we also use conditions to manipulate people. We want to watch out for that. But we do need conditions to reconcile, but you don't need a condition to forgive. Because your willingness to forgive says, I'm moving forward. I'm not being held in the past. I'm moving into the future with freedom by taking off the weight and I'm not holding it against you. I'm not looking for retribution. I'm not looking to strike back. I'm moving forward. And so we can love unconditionally. Again, super easy to talk about, really hard to do. And so how do we do that? Well, one thing is we understand is that apologies are helpful, but they are not required. We need to stop waiting on the apologies to come before we're willing to extend forgiveness. Because you know what? Sometimes the apology may never come. And so we've got to be willing to say, I'm not going to be held captive by that. I'm going to extend forgiveness. And I'm going to move forward in the future. Now, apologies are helpful. They help me in my emotions. They help me in my feelings. They're definitely helpful if we were going to reconcile. But they're not a condition for me to extend forgiveness. And I'm going to choose to live in freedom for what you've done. And I'm going to choose to love you. And here's the thing about love is that we need to understand that love is a choice. It's not a feeling. You don't wake up with warm fuzzies and butterflies in your stomach and you're like, oh, I love that person. I mean, what's the example of Jesus? Jesus said, love your enemies. Love the people who persecute you. Pray for them. That's not a feeling. It's not a good feeling. And I may never have the, the nice feelings about somebody, but I can still love them, which means, by the way, this doesn't happen by accident. It has to be intentional. It has to be a choice where I come into a relationship and I say, I'm going to choose 
to live in a way that benefits and blesses you. It's, it's tangible, it's real, and it's a choice I make. And I may even make it when I'm not feeling it because I trust God. And, and that's the key part of this is that you don't love somebody because they deserve it. You don't love somebody because you're better. You love somebody because Christ has loved you. We always love on the basis of Christ and not on any person. And we get up every day and we choose it again. So we're going to make space for imperfection. We're going to forgive unconditionally. And then number three, forgiveness is a gift to others and a gift to me. Here's what happens with forgiveness. is When you choose to forgive another person, you are giving them the gift of space to heal. We've all heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. Broken people act broken. And what we are looking for when we are hurt is for healing to take place. And so when you extend forgiveness, it's like you're breaking the chain. You're breaking the cycle of hurt. You're breaking the cycle of pain. You're saying, I'm not going to contribute to any more pain. There's been enough pain. There's been enough hurt. I'm not tacking on. I'm not adding it on. I'm not loading it on. I'm breaking this cycle. And I'm going to step back and give you grace and give you mercy and give you love love regardless of how I feel because I want to create space for healing. Now here's the thing that we need to understand is that what they do with that space is not your responsibility. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the healer and neither are you. And a lot of us, we have unnecessary, unfounded false guilt because another person doesn't choose to step into the space that we provided. You're not responsible for that. You're only responsible for providing the space. And then we pray for God to do what God has to do. Because God is the healer. But it's also a gift to me because just like you can provide space for somebody else to heal, you can provide space for yourself to heal. With God's work in us, we can experience healing when we say, like, I'm going to take the weight off. Because a lot of us, we feel like we're out in the ocean with a thousand pounds of hurt and pain and bitterness and just all this junk that people have given us with what they've said and what they've done or what they didn't say or didn't do or unfulfilled promises or whatever it might be. And if we're ever going to be able to grab the life raft and pull ourselves up and catch our breath, we got to take that weight off. And the way you take the weight off is you forgive. We say, God, help me to move forward into the future without the weight of the past. Help me to, to not hold this against them. And we have to wake up perhaps every morning and choose it again. You know, I'm reminded of this interaction that Peter had with Jesus. You remember this one? Where Peter wanted to impress Jesus. And so he came up to him and he said, hey, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Uh, he's ready for Jesus to pat him on the back. And Jesus, no, Peter, not seven. 70 times seven. And here's the way I've always read that. I always thought that Jesus was saying that there's gonna be 70 times seven occurrences where you need to forgive again. And you know what, that might be the case. But I think what's more realistic is that there's one occurrence 
that we need to choose to forgive 70 times seven times. Every time the feeling comes up, every time the hurt comes back up, every time you step into that space again, you might have to choose to forgive again. Create the space. It's super hard to do. I had this thought that this aspect of forgiveness, it should be one of the primary things that makes us Jesus followers different from everybody else. And yet I regret to say that sometimes us as Jesus followers struggle the most to forgive. We hurt each other. We hold grudges. We fail to move on. But we can do this with Christ living in us. We can do this. And there's two reasons we can do it. The first is that every single one of us are in need of forgiveness. Every single one of us, including everybody here and everybody watching online, you've hurt somebody, sometimes by accident, and sometimes you meant to do it. And you know what you did. Because you were mad, you were hurt, you were angry, you were sad, whatever it might be. And you know the thing that we talked about earlier, like we see ourselves based on our intentions and we see other people based on their actions. You know what other people do? The same thing. And so you're wondering like, why can't you just see what I intended to do? Why can't you see what I was trying to do? Why can't you see what I was meaning and what was behind it? You know what, they can't. And we are in need of forgiveness. But here's the second thing, is that forgiveness that we need? Jesus is ready and willing and able to give it. When God created the foundations of the world, he knew that it was gonna cost him his son. He knew that Jesus would have to go to the cross. He knew that he would have to forgive you. And one of the lessons I've learned in life is that God has never been surprised by my sin. I get really surprised. Like what, how could I do that? Where, how did it end up here? And God's like, you know, I'm not surprised. That's why I sent my son for you. I knew that was coming. And I'm prepared. God decided ahead of time to give you forgiveness. I'm reminded by this word from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful in his love and his mercy to offer forgiveness. He is just and that he didn't just wipe it away and say, oh, it's okay. No, he sent his son to bear the weight, to bear the pain, to bear the cost. And with that forgiveness comes this gift of transformation, of freedom. I'm not caught up in the shame cycle. I'm not caught up in the past. I'm not caught up in regret, but I can move forward in freedom to be changed. It's a gift to others. It's a gift to me if we'll receive it. So here's the thing, an invitation for you. Will you trust Jesus when he says, I came to forgive you? Some of us still don't believe that. Some of us say we believe the Bible, we believe in Jesus, we believe he died for us, but you still won't let yourself believe that he's forgiven you. Today is a day to believe that you are forgiven. 
And so you can come and confess. Some of us, we, we are holding on to the, the big idea that we're forgiven, but yet we've never asked for forgiveness for the specific elements of our life that need to be forgiven. We need to come and confess that. And then we need to trust him. We need to receive that forgiveness. We need to live in that forgiveness and say, I'm okay. And it's not until that point when you can say, in Christ Jesus, I'm okay, that you finally get to the point where you can actually say with truth that regardless of what you do, I can act like Jesus. Until you know you're okay, you can't say that. You will continue to be caught up in what they do. But once you know you're okay, living in freedom of forgiveness, you can be okay and say, I can act like Jesus regardless of what you do. And then you know what you get to do? You just get to pour out forgiveness abundantly. And we will look different from the rest of the world. So if you stand, I wanna pray for us. Pray that we'll trust God at his word that we're forgiven, trust that we'll live in that freedom, trust that we can give forgiveness to others. When I finish saying this prayer and I say amen, and we're gonna sing one final song, these prayer rails are available for you. If you need to forgive somebody, if you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness, if you need to prepare ahead of time, like you're like, I know what's coming. I, I know I'm gonna see this person. And I, if you need to make that commitment, come and ask the Lord for his power for his grace to be able to do that. Let's not put it off. Let's step into that freedom today. So let me pray for us. God, we love you. We praise you. We celebrate who you are. Oh Lord, forgive us for our inability, maybe sometimes our unwillingness to let go of the past. Forgive us, God, for the way that we don't take you at your word for for your forgiveness for us. Give us faith, a real substantive faith that gives us peace, that lightens the load, that allows us to receive the forgiveness you give. And Lord, let that just be poured out from within us, a grace upon grace upon grace as we gather with people that maybe we love, but we're not sure if we like, give us a different heart. Maybe the mindset change needs to be with us and not them. Would you allow that to happen in us starting right now in this moment? And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.